0: wounds and somehow on the disabled list Lord, today bring healing to get us back out in there Lord, for those who are just downright rebellious Lord, shock and awe, warn them in such a way Lord by the beauty of your holiness Lord, make this time profound Lord, for those of us who are just trying to figure out what in the world we're doing here make it clear why you have us here why you have them here For those, Lord, who are seeking and growing in you, Lord, show them your calling on their lives specifically. But Lord, may each one of us interface with you now, encounter you. And as we encounter you, may your word burst open and come alive for each of us. God, that we would today know you better. Love you more. Enjoy you better. Live the life you've called us to. So speak to every one of us in our hearts, ears, minds. Speak fluent in us now. Address every issue necessary. Revolutionize us now, we pray. Have your way. We commit today to you. Every second, redeem every second. Amen. We have so much fun in your word. Now we pray. Sweetly and freshly anoint me for your will to do your work, your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. I would say today as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible have the final say. So let's catch us up. Now you're like, oh, kind of like, hey, if I do this every week and you're, fam- and you're familiar with where we're at in Leviticus, you could probably walk with it with me, right? The first seven chapters, what are those seven chapters? The first seven, what do they walk us through? Great. I've done a great job. All right. Sacrifices. That was God preparing us for the rest of the book. There were five specific sacrifices that he lays out in those seven because those are going to be necessary to know that if we're going to approach God, we have to approach God by sacrifice. And it's important to note that God never said the sacrificer had to be perfect, but the sacrifice did. Praise God. He didn't say you had, to be per- you had to be perfect, but the one, the thing that stood before you that you brought had to be And this is why we don't stand on our own good works. This is why we don't stand on our own efforts. This is why we don't stand on our religious observances. We stand on Jesus Christ because we're confident he's perfect. It was proven at the cross, the empty tomb, and his resurrection. Everything points us to Jesus. Jesus had already told us that. We're looking for it. It's easy to find. So the first seven chapters, it's the sacrifices. Chapters 8 through 10, the priesthood is now inaugurated it's now in practice priests are doing priestly stuff and of course what are they doing? they're doing the sacrifices so God had to lay those out first so 8-10 through 10, the priests are now in practice before that point Aaron was the only thing that Aaron was doing was making a cow and that wasn't a good one 11-17 through 17, we see the uncleanness and our need for atonement and God takes us to the climax of needing to be clean by the blood you can't be clean any other way And from 11 to 17, he takes us to atonement. From 18 now to 23, he takes us to the road to rejoicing. And now we are now at the climax. We're at the apex, the place where we rejoice. And this chapter is our chapter of rejoicing, of feasting with the Lord. Chapter 23. In... 17 and 18 he told us in simplest way on our road to rejoicing we need to take the holiness of our cleansing seriously In the next two chapters he needed to, he told us that we needed to take the holiness of our caring for each other seriously and in the last two chapters he told us that we need to take the, the holiness of our calling seriously because god has a call on every one of our lives but god has cleansed you first Gives you care for each other second and then enacts a calling. Understand, God is not looking for people to be show-offs, celebrities in regards to the, God, the body of Christ. They're just superstars in the body of Christ. You know we are? We're all supposed to be servants. And that's the beauty here. And, so it, and if we're not going to love each other, then what we'll do is we'll do it for ourselves, not for others. So we'll speak in tongues to prove that we're more spiritual than the next person. We'll pray for the gift of healing, not necessarily because Graham is really sick, because Nan's been ill, but rather because we just want other people to check us out and see, check this guy heals. We want to be a good teacher so people could be wowed. And you know when you actually stand before him and you're saying, you know, is the attitude, Lord, let me teach in such a way that everyone goes, man, I could never do that. Or, wow, I think I could do that. Because if our heart's desire is to see other people live in their gifts, then if we wow in such a way that people are like, "Well, I could never do that," you've actually helped disqualify people from their own ministry. Isn't that sad? But if we don't love each other, then our gifts will be used to, to, to with, basically with a big "check me out" written all over them. Right? Check me out. Check me out. Check me out. Check me out. <speaking in Spanish> whatever it is, and we really want to prove it. Shoot about a Honda. Shoot about a Honda. Shoot about a Honda. You know, whatever it is, because we want to prove that we're you know, and we'll shake, and we'll foam, and we'll rattle. And I'm looking. I'm not trying to pick on somebody that's having an experience with the Lord, but we know what it's like to compete too. But when we love each other, and God says every gift I give you is to bless the body, He's like that's what they were given for. And thus He says, "Look at I cleanse you, and then I give you care for each other, and then I show you your calling." And as we grow in Christ, we start to love each other, and as we start to love each other, then we actually want to serve each other. And that takes us to our chapter here. From this point on, by the way, do you realize it's a 27-chapter book, which means that we only have four chapters after this, and the whole thing after this carries a basic theme of how to keep your light burning burning bright. So really, if you think about it, we're almost done. And not like we want to be done, but it's like exciting to think we continue to move forward in this beautiful book we call the Bible. So now, here we're at. We're in chapter... 23 in chapter 23 we have the list of ceremonies or the list of feasts in the simplest sense there are going to be seven annual feasts before that he gives us one feast that actually takes place more than that because he'll tell us these are the things i want you to do to celebrate Now, understand this is god saying i love you so much would you come over my house for a picnic would you come over my house for a barbecue for a week and i think what kind of god does that the kind of God that loves his creation, that's the kind of God. And it's so interesting, I, I just watched a movie a couple of nights ago, actually it was last night, about a, 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 a Christian that had gone back to his homeland of Iran, and as he had gone back to his homeland of Iran, the difference in the singing that he had heard between the religion he had come from, and as he sort of was now an outcast, dismembered by his family and the whole bit—well, actually dismembered, disassociate because they didn't like rip his arms off—and and, because he could still walk and, and use them, but he would—and he walked by this place where they were singing songs to Jesus, and the difference between the songs and what was being sung. This idea of, of this fearful dedication and this idea of praising a God who's with them. Oh God, your presence. How many songs do we sing where it's all about God being with us? And it's we don't even worship God to get him here. We already know he's here. We worship him because he is here and he's good. How no, we started it because you're good and because you're here, because you're wonderful, I praise you. That's how we started it, right? For those of you actually, the seven of you who came when we started. Now, <laughs> now follow me on this. There are going to be seven, and to make it really simple, it'll be like this. will be like there'll be three of them that are all in the first month. <clears throat> there'll be one in between, and then there'll be three more in the seventh month. The first month, by the way, starts in basically for us basically March and April. Jewish calendar is different than ours is. So there'll be three, one, and three. Does that make sense? And that that equals how many? Seven. Good. That was an easy question. I just want to make sure you. you were still there and you had a pulse. Okay. Now before that, read it with me. And here's how this whole thing starts. He says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord is going to, we're going to have that phrase, the Lord spoke to Moses in verses 1, 9, 23, 26, and 33. That's five different times we read. And God then said this, and then God said that. During this time, you're going to see the term solemn rest, or Shabbat. We're going to see it at least five times. We're going to see the term here, holy convocation, ten times in this chapter. Now listen to what it is. We'll develop that, but, but, but hear me. The holy convocation is going to be listed in our first one here. These both are, so it's going to help. The Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord which you shall, shall proclaim to be a holy convocation, and these are my feasts. Semicolon. I should say colon. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy convocation. There's our terms. You shall do no work on it. It's the Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Now, interesting. before he goes through the seven annual feasts, he wants to make sure you get this first. You see, showing up at the temple should not be something so weird and so unique that when you show up, people go, Whoa, you're here! What he says is, I want this to be a weekly thing. But hear me, this isn't our relationship. This isn't for us to discover God. Though that will be part of the product of us being together. God tells us what he wants, first of all, is for us to walk daily with him. To have a daily walk. Every day, seeking him in his word. Every day, enjoying him, fellowshipping with him in prayer. Now, if you don't know this, God, that should sound weird to you. Say, understand, my prayers are not, dear Santa, oops, I mean Jesus, sign, please, in your name, because that makes sure I get it, and then I sort of throw it out. This is a conversation, and I can't have a conversation with, first of all, someone who doesn't exist, and second of all, someone who doesn't want a relationship with me. My prayer time, and this is something I had to grow in from when I first started, has become infinitely more a dialogue and less a monologue. In the beginning, it's sort of like God becomes the sugar daddy. And sooner or later, I learn he's actually just daddy. And he wants that prayer, that daily prayer, that daily time in his word. Then you could go, but I don't get everything in the word. I can, let me just say this. You don't drink all the water in your shower either. You shouldn't. That would be dangerous. But it cleanses you. It comes across you and you're like, but I'm not sure I really tasted the part that had my shampoo in it. Good but I bet it cleansed you. And I've learned this. Have you ever actually had a scripture fall out your mouth and then go, wow, where did that come from? And then it actually came from your reading, but you, but you, were, you ever have those times where we read and it's all the words just become like spaghetti? And they're just like, they're just things that and you're like, uh, I think those are words, but I'm not sure they're sentences anymore. <clears throat> but somehow it's like, Lord, I'm gonna, I want to trust you. Clear my mind, get this right. Turn off everything else in my head. And then you're reading and all of a sudden the Lord gives you that one thing. I'm like, oh, that one thing. And you're walking around with that one thing. You know what? God knows how to give you that one thing. Sometimes it could be a whole lot more. Sometimes, some days you felt like you drank the shower. But he wants that daily walk. But then he also wants that weekly meeting. Listen, listen. It tells us, first of all, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. And this is an important verse. Again, don't just believe me. Search the scripture. It tells us that a person who seeks to isolate themselves, that he says two things happen. One is they seek only their own benefit. And the second is that they rage against all wise counsel. Now, some of us are kind of like that. Some people, when you get sick, I don't know about you, I actually am not one of those kind of people that like to be sick in front of people. I mean, there are some people, if they're hurting, they'll go and lay right in front of you. And moan. And <laughs> moan. You're having a conversation, heart to heart, and they'll just kind of go, "Oh!" And you almost have to kind of, you don't know want and then you feel rude to go, "Um, uh, what, what were you saying?" You know, I'm sorry, there was a moose dying in front of, you know, whatever. But it's like, and but there, you know, but there are other people. It's like there's one thing where it's like I'm not feeling well. But when it comes to the matters of Christ, the enemy loves to pull apart infinitely one piece by piece, just like a wolf would sheep. And hey, when lions, have you ever watched those those shows? I was, yeah, I'm a boy. We grew up watching shows like that, you know? It's like, and, and oh, they're always British, right? And then the lion. <laughs> lion. Oh, look at the wonderful wildebeests. Oh, there they are by the water. <laughs> la, 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 sipping water, sipping water. Oh, and here comes the boat of lions. They're called the pride, in case you didn't know. And what happens, of course, is you watch this, and of course the music's like, and you know, at that point, it's feast in time for someone. And so, the, and what happens is the lions charge right for the middle. Have you ever watched this? Am I the only one who ever watches shows like this? Because after a while you start thinking, this is sick, I'm watching animals eat animals, right? <laughs> But then your friends are like, "Yeah, it was awesome." I'm like, okay, maybe it's not so weird, all right? And you watch it, and then I was like, and most of the most of these, you know, water buffalo or wildebeest or whatever, they all head in the same direction. But there's always like that one that's like Earl, you know, Earl of the, wild, the wildebeest. Right? He's like, "Don't go! Oh, you're going over! I'll just head over. this way by myself." <laughs> And the lion goes, that one, right? They don't chase you after the herd at that point. They did that to scatter the, scatter the earls, right? And once earl's over by himself, well, he's then, of course, lion child by that point. And you get that. And you get that the enemy loves to do that. He loves to kind of, you know, just kind of do that. And you will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And you get that idea that something like that happens. And he just looks for the one by himself. So he can't eat you. You know, you get the idea here that if you've given your life to Christ, and don't just believe me, read it for yourself in 1 John chapter 5. It says, whoever is born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one cannot touch him. You cannot eat something you cannot touch. That's, by the way, one of the reasons why at least, if, when Eve said, well, we can't eat it or touch it, I kind of figured, well, if you we can't touch it, you can't eat it, so it works out well. But, but, but they understand it does say he's like a roaring lion seeking who he might devour. You certainly can roar. And he's an accuser. That's what he does, is he accuses, and he's an opponent. He's a condemner. Please hear me. That when it comes to being isolated, it's just so easy to listen to lies and have no one tell you that's a lie. Do you have anyone that loves you enough to tell you that when it is a lie? You know, it says that the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. You know what that means? Oh, well, you'll get all kinds of kisses. Judas kissed Jesus, but it wasn't a good one. But it says, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. I mean, a friend doesn't beat you up. A friend, though, will tell you something, even if it hurts, because it's true. And you know what? She just doesn't like you, man. She keeps saying she wants to be friends, but what she's really saying is, I, only, I don't want to be ever, ever anything more than friends. But she's British, so she's trying to be nice about it. <laughs> but listen to this. And the reason I, I guarantee you, this week, you're going to want to be isolated. Now, I'm not saying that as a prophecy. I'm saying that because this scripture just came out and God's going to prove it. But remember what you've been told. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, listen to these verses, and it tells you why we assemble. We only like to read the last of them, but read the two. It says, let us consider one another. Consider one another by the idea is really get to know each other, figure out how, they, how you work. It says, in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, But exhorting one another, that means to challenge and warn, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now hear me. He says, this is what I want you to do. Get to know each other for the purpose of helping to ignite and to fire the flame that is in them that God put there. Stir them up to love each other. Now we would, let's be honest, we would love to stir people up to love us. But really you're not stirring them up in God's ways. The easiest way to do, to stir them up to love each other is to be honest, to help love someone else with them. Hey, come on, you want to do this with me? Let's go love this person. Let's go bake this thing. Let's go do this thing. Let's go fix this thing. Let's go pray for this person. Let's go and, let's go and do this thing for this person. Well, how are you going to do that? He says, well, then don't forsake assembling together because it's the easiest place to get recruits to go and love each other. It's hard to love each other if you're not together. Now, it's really, to be honest, you really can't love each other, like Christ said, via Facebook exclusively. It doesn't work that way. is isn't love, love via Skype because if we're going to serve each other, there are ways to do that through, I will grant you that, but not every way. You can't virtually fix someone's faucet if you're gifted at it. The Lord has this way of really using people. And part of that will be that the, many of the gifts that he gives are going to be so practical and ordinary, you won't even realize how extraordinary they really are when they're being used. So listen, he says, before I even talk about us getting together for these special feasts throughout the course of the year, can it already be a practice that we know each other so we're actually excited about these times? In other words, it's almost like these times are more retreats If that makes sense. But we're already knowing each other, so we're kind of excited about spending extra time with each other. Does that make sense? It isn't a bunch of strangers getting together. It's actually a family gathering. Now, I'll I'll be honest with you. There are certain family gatherings where you might be more excited about, and certain family gatherings you'd be a little less excited about. all depends on what part of the family meets kind of thing. And there are certain churches where you're going to be more comfortable than others. I'll grant you that. But man, be someplace where you could actually get excited about coming. And know that there's a purpose. And by the way, the purpose, and this is what we pray for every one of you, that you would be the most blessed and the greatest blessing here. Because that's what I would pray for every one of you, every day. Lord, bless them beyond and use them. Pray that for myself. So before we now as we dig into these seven, that's how this whole thing starts. Now, it sounds like we're preaching in the choir here because here we are, it's a Sunday, and you're all here, right? Well, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> now, again, I'm not here to diss you if you have something you have to do, but let's face it. There's an awful lot of things we could do. And this is what it says, though. If it's going to be what God says this thing is going to be, notice it has to be two things. He said it has to be a solemn rest and it has to be a holy convocation. Do you see those things in verse 3? For people that are like, no, I'm just going to take a Sabbath and I'm just going to sit around by myself and watch You know, the Lord of the Rings all day. Well, first of all, are you working six days? Because he says here, you work six days and you take the next one off. That would be a Saturday, by the way, because it's the last day of the week. But the first thing he says is it has to be a solemn rest. Are you ready to speak a little Hebrew with me? This is pretty easy. Are are you ready? Thanks for the nods, but I can't get that. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, thank you. Here's the first. The first has two words. They're both two words. The first is the word shalom. That should be easy, right? Shalom. Right? So shalom, that means peace or rest. And the second word is mo'ed. Would you say mo'ed? Mo'ed, by the way, means an appointment. To make a specific appointment. To put it down in your rota. Understand, for, for us to have a Sabbath, Shabbat, the way that God calls us to have a Shabbat or a Sabbath, it has to be something we put in our diaries as this is an appointment where we are going to specifically seek peace. That's the idea. We don't happen upon it. For us to have the Sabbath, God intended, it's got to be in rota. God knows if it's not in your rota, guess what happens? It ain't going to happen. I was meaning to get around to that sure you were but if it's in your road egg it's done my wife knows this I'm like yeah you need to call the doctor and get an x-ray or whatever the case and I'm like yeah that sounds like a really good idea she's like put it down in your diary put it down come on put it down I'm like I know when that kind of thing happens it's going to happen to-do list is like the the intersection right it's like sometimes it makes it sometimes the problem is the to-do list you you have to almost set something in your diary that says look at your to-do list (laughs) otherwise you don't even look at that and it doesn't get done Here's the second. So the first, by the way, Shalom Moed. Shalom Ma'ed means, again, an appointment of rest or appointment for peace. The second one is the word, ready? First of the two words, Migrad. Could you say Migrad? migrad. That was kind of fun. Try it again. Now, they're really good. What happened over here? Migrad. migrad. Okay, second word, Kadesh. Like kadosh, Kadesh. So Migrad Kadesh. Then you try it. Migrad Kadesh. Beautiful. It literally means, understand, the word migrad means a public meeting. A public meeting, that means people, real people meet together. That's what it means. This is why church is not sitting at home and watching television. Even if the telly has some guy on there who's preaching you are like, well, I just feel like I'm one with all of the people that are out, and the well, that's really nice, but not, you know, it's like, how in the world are you going to serve them by sending your $1,000 love gift? <laughs> God's got so many other ways for us to serve. And He goes, look it, if you're going to Sabbath, and this is, God says, this is what I want per week. What I want every week is for you to set aside time where you are going to make an appointment to rest with me. With me, God's saying. And I want that to be a time where it is a public meeting that is holy, that is set apart, a set apart public meeting. So some will say, you know, where we came from was like, yeah, bro, man, my church is like surfing. Yeah, ah, oh, gnarled, ah. Oh. Right? And you're kind of listening to this and you're going, bro, it is not what it says in scripture here. Because what it says is, I want you to make a specific appointment where you're going to know, you're going to be there, and then, and and maybe can I say it this way? God says, set the time and clear your diary. This ain't get in, get out. God goes, because if you're get in, get out, you're not resting with God. And if you have kids, you know this, right? Both of my kids had this really weird thing where they were like, Dad, let's snuggle. Let's rest. Now if you live the kind of life I do rest is like a, you know remember when like a nap was punishment and then you got older and then you're like I deserve a nap right It's like a reward now and my son and like grandpa when i say that and my kids would be like dad let's rest together and i'd be like Ah, oh, okay and they'd be like ah mm 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 mm, 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 mm. And then sticking their finger at my nose and pulling on my eyelashes. And, and I'm like, finally like, do you want to get up and do something? Yes, 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 I do. And then every time that happens, I'm always asking, Lord, are you trying to teach me something? Because it was happening enough that clearly I wasn't getting the point. And God's like, you know, that could be the danger even in here. You come in and you're like, all right, Lord, I'm going to totally praise you for a couple of minutes. I know the songs are going to be longer than that, but I want to make sure other people are around, see who's coming. And then, you know, after that, maybe we'll pray, and then oh, I'll say something really cool. I'm going to practice it beforehand, so I can sound really good in my prayer. And then, you know, we're going to get together. And then it was like, man, how do I look like, and it look like I can nod while he's talking and still text my friends? The same time, you're like, Yeah, he's like oh, me God. Oh, sorry, you don't know what a spell check. That's my migraine. That's not good, you know. And and you get the idea here, and God's like, Can you rest though? You gotta make an appointment where we're gonna sit together and learn how to just do little and then let God start moving. Now, some of you are dancers, some of you may be musicians, but I know it from both. As a musician, there it gets this stage where you've got some chops and you can use them all the time and it's embarrassing when you see someone like this. And the same thing with a dancer. Imagine it's like, okay, freestyle, and they're like whipping out everything. They're doing leaps and they're doing all these things. But in the end of it, it doesn't even make sense to the song. They're just pulling out what they got. And it's like here's my trophies, baga, 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 baga. flip, juice, and you're like, whoa, that was great. But the problem is, is, if they ask you to do something again, you already used it all up. And then they get to this point where you grow beyond that. And I remember teaching this music class a while back and saying, until you can learn to love one note, don't play more. And you can appreciate the silence, don't add to it yet. And it was a jazz class where we were laying out this simple groove. We had a bass player and a drummer and the bass player just doing this walking line. And the drum was just And everyone wants to go, and that made no sense. And it's like, let the song dictate for a moment. Get there first. Get to the place where you're doing nothing and then you get to ride what's going on. Does that sort of make sense? Now no reason I use it as a metaphor, because in church like this, there are going to be times like this where we're learning to be still so that we don't just do what we just do. How do you ever get the new how do you ever learn the Karate Kid Part 3 dance? You know the part where it's actually yours and not just the things you've been taught? You gotta let the the moment be you gotta let in this case, you gotta let God's Holy Spirit start you at a place where you're just available and able. They'd say yes. Because it, you may find yourself in a place that makes no sense to anyone but him. So Paul, you've been pastoring for a year in Syria. Let's get you out now to minister to the Gentiles. Come again. That doesn't make any sense. God says, to you. And beloved, can I say, That as we move through these, because they'll move rather quickly, if we don't get that right, the rest of it isn't going to be either. Because if we don't have that time where we're actually getting to know each other, you realize that what God intended the body to do was serve each other. Aren't you thankful your body does that? Aren't you thankful your spleen isn't somehow protesting and trying to start a whole new body with the kidney while on the other side the liver has actually had some form of problem with it and does the IHateTheSpleen.com website? <laughs> Praise God our bodies are nicer than Christ's. But what if, what if we were actually what God called us to be? We weren't trying to fix the world outside first. We are letting God do what he wanted to do here. Could you imagine how cool that would be? When we actually said, you know, I just can't wait. I mean, some people are like, I just can't wait. I know when I walk, I'm going to get a hug from Shirley. If you don't know who that is, you, and this is your first visit, you'll know by the time you leave. I know that that one kid right there is going to make me laugh. I know that person is going to come in late, but I'm going to pray for him. And, you know, There it is. But it gets to that point where you just get to appreciate each other and everyone has their own little cool caricature and then you get to know them deeper than that. Because the caricature, you know, that's the thing where you would, you know, they like golf, you get them a golf ball for their birthday. But you get to know them beyond that because you can't stir up good works by just going, oh, you like golf, here's a tea, do something good for God. You want to get to know them beyond that. And he goes, what would happen if we met together and we actually did that? Do you realize it's one of the reasons why we encourage each other to pray? rented lips encourage us to pray for each other that we would actually get to know each other that would be really cool where all of a sudden we're like you know what this really is funky and cool this is a really cool family and i love it i absolutely love it beloved so listen let's we start moving into it we want god listen daily walk Daily devotions, daily time in the Word. And if you don't have that time, man, do it. Please, learn. Hey, look, you don't have to do anything fancy. My suggestion is, start with the Gospel. There's four to choose from, so you have some options. Read a chapter a day, and just pray, God, give me that one thing. How's that? And then pray. And then tomorrow, you get chapter two. A weekly thing. Then we meet together. But look at we've already been getting charged up in the Lord every day as we've been walking with him. Does that make sense? Hey, you're only as good as your source material. You can write a great dance, but if everybody's, everybody's a quadriplegic, it's probably not going to be the same thing you saw in your head unless you knew they were quadriplegics before you started. If you break everyone's shins and then they come in and they're like, I'm ready to dance, I'm like, great for the hop dance. But you get the idea. And what happens is we, we deal with church in a very different way. We deal with church kind of like we all come in limping and then we want to be able to be great dancers when we come out. But it's like, what if we came in ready? It's like we all come in obese, but we want to be ballerinas by the time we're out of here. And that's a little strange. Now God can do what he wants, but what if we actually maintained this cool thing every day and then we came together as a weekly thing? And it's like, wouldn't that be great? Then he goes, now let's talk about those, those yearly times. The first three. Number one, verses four and five. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations. Remember that? That's making sure that something set apart where we meet publicly together. Which you shall proclaim at your appointed times. That's the Mughat Kodesh. On the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. The first one is the Lord's Passover. Notice, by the way, he's going to make clear they all belong to him. Which will be a very radical thing when you read the Gospel of John when we read a feast of the Jews. I can comfortably say that we, if we want to kind of diss that, because we're like, well, look at how it was supposed to be a feast to the Lord, and now it's a feast of the Jews. Let me just ask you, how's Christmas and Easter doing for you? Because I'm sure God could say the same thing today. Just the same, the first of them. What happened at the Passover? You know what happened? The enemy was overcome. That was where Pharaoh was taken down through the slaughtered lamb of God, through the death of the firstborn son, so the peop- his God's people could go free. That was, And it's a one-day thing he says here. Second of those of those first three. And then on the 15th day, since the first one was the 14th day, and this one's the 15th day, that is the next day. You got that, right? Let's check in here. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat the unleavened bread. So how long is this feast? Seven days. Oh, you thank you. The, thanks, Mom. All right, yes. Seven of you. Seven. No, seven days. It's a week long. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. So we all get together on the first day. You shall have no customary work on it. He'll say that, by the way, every time he tells us it's holy convocation, you don't do the kind of work you normally do. Save that for another day. But you shall offer an offering made by for... Well, could you imagine if we did that? That when God said, this is a holy convocation, that whole day was given to him. Wouldn't that be strange? Where it's like, you know what, we're going to go to church, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to get back to my clients. What if there was one day set aside? Do you know, I guarantee you, when you stand before the Lord someday, and we all will, you have that appointment, and whether you like it or not, you're not going to miss it, and you won't even be late to it. When that appointment happens, I guarantee you, you will not be upset because you took more time with the Lord. I guarantee you that. You will not say, dang it, I really wish I saw Thor 2 one more time. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation, do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord seven days. Seventh day shall be a holy convocation, you do no customary work on it. For seven days we eat unleavened bread. That means no baguettes. It means flatter than pitas, like crisps. Verse 9, and I'll, we'll develop those three here in a moment. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land in which I give to you to reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer it that day, when you wave the sheaf, male lamb in the first year without blemish is a burnt offering to the Lord, and its grain offering shall be two tenths of an ifah. Fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma. And its drink offering shall be of wine one fourth of a hin. And he shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It is, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. So please hear me. Here's our first three. This one, by the way, we call the Feast of First Fruits. So here's our first three. You ready? Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. You try that. Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. These all happen at the same time. And this is the way it works. Passover happens on the 14th day, and they do a lunar calendar, and that's why, kind of like our Easter, it kind of happens at certain times, if that makes sense. It isn't always the same day of the year as we know it, because we follow, because it's actually a lunar calendar. So follow me on this. <laughs> so we have this one, and on the 14th day of our first month, that's going to be now our celebration of when God killed the firstborn son, when the Lamb of God was slaughtered, so that the enemy could be defeated and we could go free. Are you with me? On that same thing, we have two other things. We ate unleavened bread for a week. That was a feast. And he says, look it, I want to make sure that you guys stay, and this is the way I'm going to make sure of it. The first day and the last day, you're all meeting together. So it isn't like, well, I'm going to watch TV and we'll just see. Because like, look, you're all going to assemble on the first day. You're all going to assemble on the last day. So I know you're going to stay in Jerusalem for that time. That's going to become very important when we get to the end of the Gospels. And I'll tell you why. Because the whole idea of that unleavened bread was that when God said, when God said, when it's time to leave Egypt, don't dally. Oh, la la, 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 maybe we'll get out. And that's the way that Lot was, if you remember, when he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like the angel actually had to grab him and was like, come on, and he dragged him out. Can you imagine? He's like, I'm going to destroy this place. And he's like, wow, this is really terrible. We should probably get out of here. The angel's like, "Well, you get out of here? Come on, let's go. And he's like, that's what he's doing. And it's like, I wonder how many of us that that's what he has to do that with. He's like, look, I'm delivering you from your bondage. I'm pulling you out of the world you came from. You hated it. You want out. But you're dallying like you're trying to figure out what you want to take with you. I was like, you know what I need in the new land? You're like, you don't even know the new land. Well, I probably need this. God's like, that doesn't spend there. Imagine when God like, comes back and he wants to take us all home. And you're like, I need to take my gold. And God says, no, I have enough roads. Because that's what the road, we read, that the streets are made of gold. So how do need to breathe. imagine it's like, you know what? When I move to the new place, I want to take a big chunk of concrete or asphalt with me. Yeah, pavement, that'll be good. Like, really? Is it sentimental? <laughs> it's gold. Yeah. God's like, that's fine. You can put it down on the road with the rest of it. There was this unleavened bread and the idea is let's get out and let's get out now. And then there was the first fruits. Now understand, these first fruits are going to be different than Pentecost. These first fruits was not the whole harvest. You actually saw the tips and you pulled the best parts. And get this, because the idea is, as the first fruit is holy, let the whole part be. So you picked your best. So you kind of looked, imagine if you will, it's like you're growing roses. And if you were growing roses, you pick the three prettiest and you snip those and you're going to take those. I mean, most of what we're talking about at this point is we're growing barley at the beginning, wheat at the end. But you you took your best part, and this is what you did. You took that, and according to this, it's the day after the first Sabbath during your Passover, because the Sabbath could be any different day because it's the 14th of the year. So, the month. So what you did is you took that on the, the day after Sabbath and you threw it down and you crushed it into the ground and you said, and the idea of it was, I want the best to be planted so that the best could grow to a harvest. As the first fruits are, may the harvest be. Do you get that? Interesting, because this particular Passover in 32 AD, that particular Passover, the day after Shabbat is a very important day. Because that day, well, what's the day after the Sabbath? What day of the week is that for us, beloved? It's a Sunday. And the day after that Sabbath, something really important happened on that Sunday. Does anyone know what happened the day after the the Sunday after Passover in 32 AD Jesus rose from the grave that's what happened on that day and imagine this you went and there was the the slaughter of the Lamb of God God made sure that took place on Passover by the way the death of the firstborn son God made sure that took place on Passover so that the enemy could be defeated and that God's people could go free do you get it? but we had two other things then God said now get out! Let's go. But as that happened, on that Sunday, the day after our Passover, we threw the the best down and it was crushed into the ground and then said, as that is the first fruits, may the rest, the harvest be. Are you with me in that? Well, if you get that even the slightest bit, listen to this verse. And I'll give you two. The, by the idea, Paul tells us that in Romans eleven six, when he says, As the first fruit is holy, so was the rest of it. And so that very same thing was said. Listen to First Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Are you with me on that? As the first fruit is holy, let the rest of the harvest be. The question is when does the harvest happen? Well, good news. We're only three of our seven done. Look at the next part with me. Verse 15. And you shall count for yourself from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Seven sevens. How many is that? Yeah, seven weeks. How many days? 49 days. And then you take the day after that. So how many is that now? Fifty. Look at verse 16. Count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and you shall offer then a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring to your dwellings two whole loaves, two wave loaves, to the two-tenths of an ephah. There shall be fine flour. It shall be baked with leaven. It says then that they are the first fruits to the Lord. You shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull, two rams. There shall be a burnt offering to the Lord. Whether grain offering, drink offering, and offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering, two lambs of the first year as a sacrifice for a peace offering. The priest shall wave them. Hey! Right? We got that. The bread of the first fruits of the wave offering before the Lord, and the two lambs, they shall be holy to the Lord for the priests. And you shall proclaim on that same day, this is a holy convocation. We're all getting together on this day. You shall do no customary work on this day. It shall be a statute forever in your dwellings throughout all the generations. When you reap, notice, the harvest. And then he says, by the way, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. When you reap, you shall not gather the gleaning from your harvest. You leave that for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Don't you think that's a strange thing to put here? Of all the things to put here, he says, by the way, during these feasts, make sure you leave the corners free for the poor people and for strangers, and then you only go through it once so that everything else could be picked up by the strangers. Do you know why that is? Because this is the one feast where strangers get to be a part of it. Because when they got the corners, when they followed after those who harvested, they had then the first great harvest to celebrate as well. Does that make sense? Now, don't miss this. The Feast of Pentecost, Penta by the way meaning 50, that's why we say it, 50 days after Passover. Does that make sense? Was the Feast of the First Great Harvest. Do you get it? It's the First Great Harvest. And what happens on this one? Well, it's unique because on this one, not only do all the Jewish people come in because of their first harvest, but also then the strangers get to come in for their harvest. Are you with me on that? And remember, 50 days ago, we went like this. As the first fruits are, let the harvest be. And we went, well, when's the harvest? Well, it's actually in seven weeks. You get that. Strangers gathering in. Well, then I'll take you to Acts in chapter 2, because in Acts chapter 2, we read there are people gathered from all over the world. That's what we read, right? People from, from Turkey, and people from Rome, and people from the Middle East, from Iran and Iraq, and people from South, from Egypt, and people all over the place, and they were all gathered together for the feast of the first great harvest. Do you get it? And on that day, God fills 120 people roughly in a room praying. They speak in these different languages. Why? Because strangers are from all over the world. And guess what? They understand what these people are saying. I mean, imagine a bunch of people that are dressed like people that you wouldn't expect to be educated, standing out and speaking perfect Hungarian, standing out and speaking perfect French. You know, that's like Americans come popping out. You know the joke, right? What do you call a person who speaks three languages? Right? Trilingual. What do you call someone with two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone who speaks one language? American. Anyways, well, so imagine Americans come popping out, right? And as they come popping out, they're like, and they're speaking perfect French and perfect Hungarian and perfect Italian and perfect whatever. Ah, okay, follow me on this. And these people all gather together, and they're like, what's this? We hear them speaking the wonderful works of God in our languages. It's in patois, in Tree. And he's little and fair-skinned. And then Peter stands up, of all people, Captain Impetuous. And he says, you know what this is? This is just Joel 2. God promised this. And he stands up and he shares, and roughly 3,000 people give their life to Christ that day. Do you realize what that was? It was the first great harvest. Do you get it? And the strangers were gathered in for the first great harvest. Because that's the way God had planned it. Now, we did the first three... Now notice the order. The slaughter of the great lamb at Passover, the son of God, so that the enemy could be defeated and God's people could go free. Then comes the first great harvest. Are you with me so far? Because now we're at the last three and we're done. Do you get it? Follow me on this. So this is what it says next. Now we're at the end of of our harvest time. By the way, all of these feasts, they bookend the harvest. There's an early harvest and a latter harvest. The early harvest is the barley harvest. The latter harvest is the wheat harvest. Do you know what book really focuses on that? The book of Ruth. She starts working at the early harvest. The Gentile girl starts working at the early harvest and gets married at the end of the wheat harvest, the end of the harvest. Listen to this with me. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Speak, this is verse 23. Verse 23. Speak to the children of of Israel, saying, the seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Notice that Sabbath rest and holy convocation are there again. You shall do no customary work on it. You You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Interesting, he says, the way that the last feasts start is the blowing of a trumpet. Do you get that? A trumpet has to be blown to start this. They call that, by the way, Rosh Hashanah. And it's the beginning of what they call the high holidays. Then comes verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day now of the seventh month, there shall be day of atonement, Yom Kippur. It shall be a holy convocation. We all get together for it, for you. You shall afflict your souls. An offering made by fire to the Lord you shall do no work on that same day. It is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person was not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. That's pretty serious. You get disowned. But any person who does any work on that same day, that person I'm going to destroy them from among his people. But you don't want to do that. You shall do no manner of work, not just no customary work, don't work at all on this day. Your work is done. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. Remember that? You shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Did you notice, by the way, what makes this particular one unique? It is a time of affliction. Did you notice that? I mean, God's like, celebrate it. How? Afflict your soul. Do you ever, any of you ever go, how does that work? Maybe you can think that far into it. Then comes the last of them, and I'll put it all together. Verse 33, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you'll make an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work on it. You know what's unique about the last one? It's longer. Did you notice that? How many days is the last one? Eight. Eight. Excellent. It's eight days. We've had seven. We've had seven. Now we have eight. Do you get that? It's important for a Jewish person because eight days means you not only finish the whole week, but you start the new one. Follow me on this. Our first three. Passover. Can you remember what the other ones were? Passover. Passover. What else? Unleavened bread, excellent. And first fruits, excellent. The death of the firstborn son, the slaughter of the lamb, so that the enemy could be defeated, God's people could go free. Unleavened bread, get out now. First fruits, as the first fruit is, so may the harvest be. Fifty days later, we have Pentecost. That is the celebration of what? first great harvest and on that day 3,000 people are, are given to Christ they've, 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 and the church is born I think that that's beautiful in so many ways and we can develop these forever but for your sake I won't and then we wait again then we have this period of time and after this period of time now we have a trumpet being blown a time of affliction and then this time called Sukkot or end gathering and that is the feast hear me of the last great harvest so, freedom, defeat of the enemy, first great harvest, last great harvest. You get it? But listen how it starts. It starts with the blowing of a trumpet. Then, after the blowing of the trumpet, a time of affliction. After the time of affliction, a time of harvest when all of the fruit is gathered. But by the way, did you notice he says, and this is the time where you rest. Well, the rest started, interestingly enough, with the time of affliction. Do you remember that? In atonement? Hear me on this. For the Lord himself will descend from... First Thessalonians 4 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and still remain will be caught up together in the clouds with the Lord to meet him in the air... We will forever be with him. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Please hear me. I'm almost done now. There will be a time when the trumpet's going to be blown. When the time of the trumpet's going to be blown, there will be those that will be called up and will rest. For the rest, it will be a time of affliction. And that's the book of Revelation. But at the end of all of that, when the whole thing is done, everyone is gathered together. And it is the time of the wedding. Because all the food is gathered. It is celebrated. And we stand before God. And the wedding takes place of the groom and his bride. And that's exactly the way it works in scripture. The three most important times in history is when God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. The death of the Lamb of God. To defeat the enemy so that God's people could go free. Then comes the harvest. That time... When people said yes to God. Interesting, it's the one sacrifice that's given with leaven for what it's worth. And strangers come. You're all invited to say yes to that gift. But there's going to be a day when we're going to be gathered together and we will be gathered to our groom and this whole thing shuts down. And that's the way the whole thing works. Now, understand, God prepared this not in the book of the Gospel of Matthew not in 1 Corinthians or Romans, but in the third book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus, to let you know that all history is going to wrap up with these three important events. God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Now here's the question. Where are you at on that? Have you even accepted the gift of Jesus Christ? If not, you haven't even made it to Passover. But if you today have never accepted the gift of Jesus, I'm going to give you that choice now. Please understand God did all the work. The firstborn has died for you. That's Jesus. We read, God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. The Lamb of God, the term that John the Baptist, when he identified Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, was slaughtered 720 years before Jesus came, he promised like a lamb to the slaughter. So was then. This faithful servant, so, Jesus dies on the cross for you are in my sin. Have you accepted that payment on your behalf? Now, please hear me, and I don't want to get tight, but I have to be honest. There's a, some, there's a stirring in my spirit to say this. There are a lot of people out there that say they don't believe in God, but that's even a lie, and they know they're lying. They actually know He's there, but if they actually are willing to admit it, they know they're accountable for that information. And they know they have to say, they have to do something about it. You're laying in bed, and the dog is barking outside. It's not your dog. But the dog is barking. And you know as long as you lay in bed, if you're married, you know how this is. As long as you lay in bed and you just pretend like it's not there, you're not accountable for it. But if you get up, you're going to have to do something about that dog. And as long as you want to lay in your bed and try to tell people you don't believe in God or you're still trying to figure it out, you figured it out. Let's be honest. You know that if you just say yes, you're going to be accountable. But what you're saying, what you're holding out on is God loving you. Why don't you just do something amazing and just say yes and watch what God has to do with that. Today, he could actually make you brand new because at that point, you are released from the enemy. You're set free. And that's what you can't see until then. And then, it's interesting, in between that time is the preparation for that harvest and as the harvest happens, it is a time where God says, now I want you all to get together. Isn't that beautiful? And the church is born. And then after all of that, he goes, then this whole season is a season of harvest from that until the last of the harvest. And at the end of it all, we're going to get together again. But the difference is when we get together after that, we get to stay together. And I'm so thankful for that. As we go to prayer, maybe you have accepted Jesus Christ. But are you willing to actually commit your days to him? Not just your eternity. Not just heaven. But your Mondays. And your Tuesdays. And your Wednesdays. Your Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. Lord, be my Lord every day. Not just Sundays. Not for those two hours we're going to be there and the time that we have to travel there and back. Be my Lord all the time. So that when we do get to spend more time together, I'm already looking forward to it. And when I do come to church, I'm already jazzed and ready to be used to help investigate each other, consider each other, and how to stir them up into good works and to be stirred up myself for whatever God wants to do through me. Would you pray with me? Lord, I want to thank you so much for this beautiful text. I know, Lord, as we look at the the rest of the chapter, it just basically concludes that, tells us that there are offerings that are to be brought, and again, reminding us that at the end, it's a Sabbath rest, it's a Sabbath rest. When this whole thing is done, that last feast, we end with resting, we rest, we rest, we rest. And I thank you, Lord, that that's what you've intended. And I realize, Lord, without you, it's always going to be about works. It doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter what idealism, what mindset. It's always going to be about works. Whatever we do, how we perform, how we pray, when we kneel, where we go, what pilgrimage, how many things we do five times or ten times or eighteen times a day. It's always about works. And then we come to you, Jesus, and the work is over. You did it. Only you are our Sabbath rest. We could never rest otherwise because we'd be so busy trying to make sure that our good outweighs our bad. And that's never something we could be confident in. Yet, Jesus, you paid for it all on the cross so that we don't have to live any form of delusional life wondering. Rather, we could say yes to you and trust that every filthy thing has been washed away. So, Jesus, as you died on the cross to pay for every one of our sins, as you rose again just like scripture promised have me now and if in this room right now you're not sure if you've ever said yes or you're sure you haven't man buck up and say yes with me would you? if that's you right now and the Holy Spirit's got to be badgering you like no tomorrow for your own sake I'm going to pray a prayer I ask you to listen at the end of it I ask for a simple amen and what you're saying is I agree let these words be my words let this prayer be my prayer and here it is all Right, God I confess to you I'm a sinner I'm not perfect you know it and I do too but you paid my sin you paid for every bit of it on the cross all of my filth has been paid for all of my anger all of my resentment paid for all of my bad choices paid for All of my nastiness, paid for. All of my spite, paid for. All of my bitterness, paid for. All of my looseness, paid for. All of my impurity, paid for. All on the cross, so that I don't have to pay for it myself. You've already done it. and Because you love me, you paid for it, and then you rose again. And you simply ask permission now for me to say to you, Be my Lord. Be my Savior. So that you now can take my life and reinvent it. Make it what you want. Where I would be used to be a blessing. The greatest blessing and the greatest blessed. So Lord, my prayer right now is that you would receive me. You clearly want me. You died on the cross and you showed that. So I give myself to you and give you permission to take my life over. Here I am yours. Confessing Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I'm yours in Jesus' name. And if that's you and you agree, I ask you to say, Amen. Lord, now, I pray for every believer in here, myself included. Lord, take us now beyond the yearly. And we know there are some people, it's like you'll never see them in any form of church except Christmas and Easter. Take us beyond the weekly where we may assemble. And I I do pray for that, but beyond that to the daily where I walk with you flourishes every day. And so much so that we can't wait till the next time we get to be together. Because we're so full of the joy of you and the desire to bless others that we're just looking for more opportunities. So make us such people, we pray. Thank you for being our Passover. And that's what Peter tells us. Thank you, Lord, that you, Jesus, our Passover has been slaughtered for us. Thank you that we got to be part of that harvest from the day of Pentecost to the final harvest and here we are in the middle of that right now knowing that soon the trumpet's going to be blown and when that trumpet's blown our time's done and Lord I know when that time is done we will never be able to evangelize again we can't do that in heaven no healing no transformations that's all here then we rest with you So until that trumpet is blown, and we don't even know when, but when it is, may we be done, and may we have spent ourselves the way you desire until then. We're yours. We commit ourselves to you, and we thank you. Have us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.